Good morning. Today is Tuesday, June 7th, 2022. There's a verse in last week's Torah portion that has a curious word and one possible explanation for it is a subject that is extremely interesting, but it's a subject that ultimately we know nothing about, but it is a subject that could have a major impact in how we look at life and how we experience life. Last week's Torah portion, the Parsha Bamidva, Yadaber Hashem El Moshe, Hashem says to Moshe, the commandment to count the Jewish people, Su'u es Rosh Kaladas Israel, literally lift up every single Jewish person, but the meaning of it is to count the Jewish people. And the Torah says, Sum, according to their Gulgal. It's a very strange word. It's not used anywhere else in the Torah in this context. What does it mean? Count everyone le gulgulosam according to their gulgul. So Rashi gives one answer. Kliyakar gives another answer. Rabban gives another answer. Several different answers about what this unusual word might mean. Maram Mipano was a great scholar on the mystical mystical side of Jewish learning. He lived in the late 1500s. He wrote a sefer called Asara Mamoros, 10 sayings, 10 statements, alluding to the 10 statements by which God created the world. Marami Pano says something very, very interesting, very curious. He says that when Moshe Rabbeinu looked at every single individual to count them, and each person passed individually in front of Moshe, so there was this moment of contact where Moshe was looking at this person, not only looking at this person, but looking deeply into their soul. Moshe saw not only the person in front of them, Moshe also saw how many times this person's neshama, their soul, would return into a new body into the future. And this is a concept known as Gilgul. We translate this as transmigration of souls. Now, this is a concept that is not widely discussed and it's not widely known about and it's not widely agreed to. But particularly within the world of Jewish Kabbalah, Jewish mysticism, within the Hasidic world, many assert this concept and discuss it. There is no direct source or evidence for it. So there's no way to know if it's true or how it works. But many of our great scholars indicate that there is such a concept of Gilgal Hanashamos, the transmigration of souls. And it works like this. When a person is born, God makes a decision to connect this physical body with this neshama, this soul. And during their lifetime, the body and the soul are connected. And they do whatever they do. 
At the time of death, there is a separation. The body is replaced into the earth. The soul goes back to God, which is where it came from. Sometimes God will decide that that soul is not finished. That soul had some unfinished business during its lifetime on earth connected with its body. So God decides I'm going to send that soul back into a different body in a different time so that whatever was lacking in the experience of the soul the first time around has an opportunity to be fixed, to be improved when it is born and connected to a different body in a different time, in a different place for another chance, another chance to get it right. It could be a person could come back a second, a third, a fourth, who knows, a hundredth time until God finally decides that the mission of this soul has been completed. And then the soul comes back to God and remains with God. Because here's the, here's the underlying concept. Every single one of us has a mission in life. There's something that God wants us to fulfill. And every day that God gives us another day to wake up and to have another day in this earth means that our mission is not yet fulfilled. And we have to figure out what it is and we have to work on fulfilling it. And even if we pass away, but our mission is not yet fulfilled, God in his mercy may give us another chance to be able to come back in a different time, in a different body, perhaps to fix that mission. So what Moshe saw, Moshe saw the people walking in front of him and the gulgulosum. He also saw how many times they would have to come back in different bodies at different times in order to fulfill their mission, which in other words might mean that Moshe could have been looking at some of us because perhaps some or many or all of us are actually a Gilgal of an earlier life that was not yet finished. Maybe we're here specifically to finish some mission that our earlier soul did not accomplish in its previous uh, journey on earth. So it could be that Moshe was looking at each of us. So again, this is a concept that is mentioned by many as an authentic, genuine Jewish concept. Not all scholars agree that it is a thing, that it does exist. But the question is, since you can't see it, since no one can know for sure who is a Gilgal, who is not, we don't have that information. There are those who will make suppositions. You will hear from time to time, especially within the Hasidic world, that so-and-so is a Gilgal of so-and-so. I'm going to give you an example of this in a moment. But given that you can't see it and you can't know about it, what does it mean for us? What practical application is there for our lives. So I want to share with you an insight of Rabbi Yisachar Frand. He suggests that many things happen in life. Many things occur to us in life that we just don't understand. How could such a thing happen? How could such a tragedy befall so-and-so? He or she is such a great person. Why should this type of tragedy happen, God forbid. 
Why is it happening? There appears to be no reason for it. So, as I've said many times, we do not know. God has created a world where that answer is withheld from us. We do not know why. And what I'm going to tell you now is not going to give you an answer. But it is possible that what is happening in these kinds of situations is something that relates to Gilgal. And that would tell us that we're not looking with the right perspective. We ought to be looking at a much bigger picture because what we see, the little tiny slice that we see, which may seem so unjust and cruel and unnecessary, but if we had a wider picture, a wider lens, perhaps it would look very different. Perhaps, perhaps it would look very different. I'll give you an example. The Maramipano, one of those who writes about this subject, gives an example. There is a narrative in the Talmud. It's a very tragic narrative in the aftermath of the destruction of the Second Temple when the Romans took many Jews as slaves to Rome. And the Talmud tells the story where there was the son of a Kohen Gadol, the high priest, an aristocratic young man. And he was taken as a slave by the Romans back to Rome. And he was very handsome and he was very accomplished. And he was reduced to being a slave. And at the same time, they took a young woman as a slave. And she was very beautiful and very holy and very spiritual. And they took her as a slave. Once they got back to Rome, one slave was married to one, to, uh, sold to one. The other slave was sold to another master. The masters knew each other and they see your slave is so handsome. Your slave is so beautiful. Let's mate them and we'll have lots of beautiful slaves. We'll be able to sell them. We'll be able to be wealthy from them. And that's what they're going to do. So they put this young man and this young woman in a room at night and left them alone with the understanding of what they were supposed to do together. And the Talmud tells this young man is on one corner of the room and he's crying bitterly to himself. I'm the son of a Kohen Gadol. I'm not allowed to have relations with a woman, probably non-Jewish, another slave. I don't even know. I can't do such a thing, an act of immorality, an act of uh, the, uh, the opposite of uh, uh, such a uh, ritual impurity. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I'm hard, hard to get the words out. Uh, an act of impurity, of tuma, ritual impurity. And she's on the other side of the room. It's dark. They can't even see each other. And she's on the other side of the room and she's crying to herself, I'm the daughter of the Kohen Gadol. I am the legacy of this great holiness of the Jewish people. Some slave is going to be mated to me, maybe even a non-Jewish person. It's unthinkable. I couldn't possibly allow myself to be defiled in this manner. And there they are in this cell at night in dark, crying all night long until the sun comes up. And the sun comes up and they recognize each other 
They are brother and sister. And they fall in each other's arms and they cry bitter tears because, of course, they would never have relations with each other, God forbid. And in their sorrow and in their hopelessness and in their terrible, terrible defeat, clutched in each other's arms, their souls depart and they die. Okay. By the way, that's a story that we tell in one of the kinos on Tisha B'Av, the ninth of Av. Says the Maharam Panav, how could such a tragedy occur to the two children of Rabbi Yishmael, the Kohen Gadol? How could such a thing happen? Marami Pano says something that's absolutely amazing. Listen carefully to what he says. He says that these two individuals, this young man, this young woman, the children of the Kohen Gadol, they were the Gilgal of Amnon and Tamar. Now, Amnon and Tamar were two children of David Amela, King David. And Amnon, in a very, very terrible, terrible thing, Amnon raped Tamar. And it was a terrible tragedy, certainly for Tamar and for King David to have this happen among his family. One of the worst events in David's life. A terrible sin. Says the Marami Pano. After they passed away, their souls came before God. And God sees these two souls of two siblings who had committed this terrible crime. Of course, it was Amnon that committed the crime. Uh, uh, Tamar was the victim of the crime. But she had had this terrible thing happen to her and Amnon had committed this terrible crime. God in his compassion gave them the opportunity to fix this. And so each of them was born again into a new body, one, the son of the Kohen Gadol, and the other, his sister, the daughter of the Kohen Gadol. And they would be in a situation where there would be the temptation for and the opportunity for these two siblings, if they were going to commit this terrible sin, to have relations with each other. But they did not. In other words, they fixed the sin of their earlier lives by remaining true to what Jewish law says, even if it meant giving up their lives. So in this way, God's compassion allowed them to come back into a new body, into a new circumstance, to be able to repair the mistake that Amnon had made earlier and the terrible uh, defiling that had occurred to Tamar, it was able to be fixed in that next lifetime. There's a verse in Tehillim, Mishpatei Hashem Emes, Tzadku Yachtov. Mishpatei Hashem Emes, the judgments of God are true. Tzadku Yachtov, they are righteous together. What does that mean, they are righteous together? The Chavetz Chaim explained that if you look at an event by itself, it may appear that God's justice is not correct. What happens appears unjust. 
But we know Mishpatei Hashem Emes, God's judgments are true. How can it be if what we see seems unjust? Tzadku Yachtov, they are just when we see them together, when we see the whole picture. When we see what happened in the lifetime before, when we see what happened in the lifetime after, that's when together, that's when it makes sense. Of course, we do not have the ability to see that. That is not given to us. But even though it is not given to us, it is asserted as a truth so that when we see something in this world, there are things that are inexplicable. We're not given to understand them. Maybe the answer is that this is part of a Gilgal, that there was a part that happened before, or there will be a part that will happen after, and we're only seeing a part of the story. Maybe that is how the larger piece is going to make sense, but only when we see the whole thing. Tzadku Yachtov, only when it is together. Again, we don't know. But at least we have to remember, and that's the, the purpose of this word in, in last week's parsha, Lugulgulosam, is there to remind us that this is a concept, that this is something that happens within the spiritual realms of this world. So we have to remember that there is a bigger picture that we do not see. What we see in this world is not all that is there. There's a lot more there, more dimensions more on either side. There's a bigger picture. Now, this doesn't give us any answer. But it does give us, perhaps, a way to live with the difficulty once we understand that there's a much wider scope to the whole story. My friends, I want to wish you a great day. And I look forward to seeing you soon in person.